special uh, guest speaker. Not special because he's new to you all, but he's special just because he's special. You know, we have uh, Rick Cook, who's going to be giving us the word today, sharing the word for us today. And I just want to introduce him to you all in case some of you may not be familiar with him. I know like 99% of you know who he is, but uh, uh, Rick is, of course, has been a long any member, I think founding, like he's been here since the beginning of Generations Church, and uh, he's not unfamiliar to you all as uh, sharing the word with you, especially in the last uh, six years, uh, but um, Rick is a professor at Logo Seminary. He teaches church history as a focus, and so um, I'm very thankful for him, and just to clarify, uh, since I came here, it wasn't like I said, okay, we don't want you to speak anymore. Okay, I didn't force him out. Okay, I actually asked him, you know, do you, would, you, would you like a break or not? All right, so I only patiently waited for the time to happen. So I'm very thankful for him to be able to share the word today. So let's just welcome Rick up. Okay, well, uh, good morning, everybody. It's been a long time. Um, The last time I preached was um, the week before Easter, a year ago. And uh, the following week is when uh, Pastor Mike came and preached outside for his opening service. And I remember that Sunday so well because I felt like a lot of you know that I've done marathons, I've done one Ironman, and at the end of a uh, marathon, what you, the emotion you feel is like crying because it's over. And it was, it was good, I, what was it? But it, the emotion is tears, and I remember when Pastor Mike preached that Sunday on his first Sunday, and we were meeting as a group together again at the end, uh, at that point, uh, be the beginning of the end of COVID. I felt like I wanted to weep. I just felt so much joy and so much thanksgiving for what God has done. I uh, suppose a lot of you know we're not here uh, some of the time because I'm preaching at various churches in the area. And so I've had an opportunity to see how much some churches have suffered through the uh, COVID and through trying to meet online. And some churches, I believe, have really been cut in half in their attendance when they come back. I think particularly hard hit have been English congregations that were part of Chinese churches. And I, when I saw last Easter, a year ago Easter, and saw so many familiar faces and saw many, so many people coming back, I just felt so thankful because I believe God watched over us. And I do believe it was the hard work of so many people that participated with the online services. And so I did want to give a special uh, a year late, a year and a half late, but a special thanks for Pastor Andy, who had worked so hard every week, for Kevin, for the worship leaders. I would send my, what was good about recording my sermons, I could send them to my mom, and my mom loved <laughs> there in Pennsylvania to watch me preach, but what she really loved was watching the worship leaders, particularly the couple who every week went on and recorded their worship music with twins, babies 
babies. And my mom watched the twins grow up week after week, month after month during. So I think so many people had contributed so much. And I think having fresh material, I mean, we, at some point we realized we could just repeat the worship songs at least because sometimes we're just singing the same song, but the worship leaders continue to, to record fresh worship each week. And I am so thankful for all of that. And I want to say, having been here since I preached the very first Sunday I was here as well when we were at the other uh, meeting place, and it's been such a blessing. I know one of the hardest things when I was asked if I would be regular in preaching at the church is I said, well, my job is as a a faculty at a seminary, and my job is to be writing uh, and publishing books. And I I talked to Henry, who was leading the church plant team from the other church, and he said, you know what, I will pray for you. And I remember as I first agreed to come and to preach regularly to generations, I had a sabbatical, and, 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 and Henry and other leaders said, well, that's great. Now you have all the time you need. And said, so, no, actually sabbatical, it's not for rest. Sabbatical is for publishing. There's pressure and I have to work on that. And Henry and I'm sure others promised to pray for me. And he followed up and he continued to ask me. This would have been 2017, 2018. He continued to ask how that was going. And it wasn't going that well, actually. Um, I, I did complete a, a manuscript at the end of that sabbatical. I was unable to locate a publisher, and um, I felt it still needed more work. Uh, a couple years later then, by 2019, 2020, just as we were going into COVID, and again, I faced the situation of, could I continue to preach? Could I invest the time to record? Because that's so much more time-consuming than just preparing to preach and pre you know I've used up all my illustrations at this church I've just been squeezing this out of myself trying to think back to the crazy things I've done in my lifetime and I'm thinking today I may have some repeat illustrations that I don't remember if I've told you or not but um and so, again, I had the sabbatical, and so, again, the church is saying, well, that's perfect, you can do that. Well, a sabbatical, I'm supposed to be researching and writing and publishing. And at that point, I think Henry was much too polite, because every time he asked, I had to say, oh, oh, thanks for asking. And I think he finally got tired of that. Is that the exact answer I would give each time? Uh, But anyway, I want to say that with that second sabbatical, I was uh, doing a rewrite of the initial book that had been finished in the first sabbatical. I was working on a second book. And I want to say that since the time I last preached, both books have been published and they've come out. And I just want to to share my thanksgiving with the church who has prayed and uh, been part of this journey. And so two books came out at about the same time. First, a book in English. It's titled Darkest Before the Dawn. And it's a book about Chinese church history. And what this is, is really my interaction, 20, 30 years of teaching Chinese students Chinese church history. And uh, this is... uh, what I have found have been of interest to my Chinese students teaching Chinese church history. The second book is a book in Chinese, and it's on Chinese history. It's a different manuscript. This is Chinese church history. This is uh, Western church history, and it's 23 biographies, 23 people I believe the Chinese church, Chinese Christians should know. And so this came out in January 
of this year. And so Henry and others who have been praying, I thank you so much. And uh, I hope that you can celebrate now together with me that uh, I have been able to both be at the church and be part of this marvelous work of God and also continue my responsibilities, uh, my primary professional responsibilities as a seminary professor. Um, since I've been uh, the last year, I want to give a special thanksgiving to Pastor Mike. I just think he has been a godsend. I think he has been a perfect fit for our church, and there are so many things I would like to say, but I think the most important thing that I have observed is a pastoral heart, a heart that wants to shepherd um, I've tremendously appreciated his preaching, biblical preaching, and I think uh, what we've also struggled with is leadership. And so let me just briefly mention those, but I am so thankful to Pastor Mike. And I am again optimistic about Generations Church. I am tremendously hopeful coming out of the pandemic that God can use us. And I want to just share that the reason I agreed to be part of Generations Church is I think we had a vision for a church here in Temple City or in the San Gabriel Valley, but we had a, 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 a larger vision of a Generations Church movement. And I just want to say a sentence or two about the Generations movement that we have dreamed of. And that is a uh, we are part of, for some people who don't know this, we are part of a denomination called the Evangelical Formosan Church. We often refer to it as the EFC. It is a Taiwanese language church. One of the key founders and leaders of the movement from the late 1970s is Reverend Felix Leo. Um, why did we as an English church, want to be part of a Taiwanese church. I just want to say that because those EFC church leaders loved evangelism and loved church planting. And I think that was the vision for Generations Church, that within a Taiwanese denomination, we could be an English church planting movement to see a place for the second, third, fourth generation uh, Taiwanese youth, but also other Asian youth, and obviously, eventually, definitely a multicultural movement. And so I am hopeful and prayerful that that will still happen. As we turn now to my message, it, the title is uh, Lost, and so I'm going to be looking at Luke 15, and I think this is the passion that I have for our church, that we are a church like the EFC churches, that Generations churches would be people with a passion for the lost. We find a funny thing about Jesus, and a funny thing that he wants to say in this message today is he cares so much about the one that was lost. Leaving the 99 to seek out the one. Let me read our scripture passage at this point and then let us pray together. We're going to be looking at Luke chapter 15, verses 1 through 10.
Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear him, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them? Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Does she not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost coin in the same way. I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of angels of God over one sinner who repents. Let's pray. Lord, pray that you speak through your word this morning. We're looking here at Jesus. He's going to tell three parables in a row in Luke chapter 15. And the point of the parables is he wants to tell his listeners, he wants to tell us this morning, who is the gospel for? Who is the gospel? Who is the good news prepared for? And it's for the lost. It's for the one that needs the gospel. So notice that he starts with the tax collectors uh, who are there, and those are the ones who need it. The Pharisees, however, and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes these people. That's the point. And Jesus wants to say, parable one, parable two, parable three. He's going to tell them this gospel is for the lost. And so three parables. The first one is the sheep. The second one is a coin. We'll look at those two parables today. And then in lost two, we'll look at the third parable, which is the prodigal son. And then in lost three in the future, we'll look at the uh, second part of that parable, which is the older brother. And what you'll notice in these three parables, there's a single structure that repeats so that we can follow and get what's going on. First, there's something that's lost, and then there's a search for it, look, and then there's a locate. And when there's a locate, when you find the lost, there is a celebration. So first, something is lost, and the first thing lost is a sheep, a hundred sheep. The second thing lost in parable two is a coin. Sheep are a funny animal. I should be a farmer. I, I, I love to give sheep illustrations, sheep analogy, but I've never cared for a sheep. These would be so much better. Uh, maybe if any of you have cared for a sheep, you can talk to me someday and uh, make these even more lively. But think about a sheep. So, so I don't know much, but maybe you don't know much either. But what do you know about a sheep? Um, let's talk about sheep just for a moment. What do you know about them? Well, first, they tend to get lost often. Um, why? 
Why do they wander off? I guess I think because the grass looks greener over there. I know that they are easy prey. I know that there is a lion or a wolf never too far away from them. I know that they seem to seldom find their way back home. They're pretty dumb. And thus, I know a sheep needs a shepherd. But what kind of shepherd does a sheep need? Well, the sheep needs a shepherd that is willing to leave the warmth and safety of the fire. Willing to leave that and to go out into the wilderness and face the danger. And why would a shepherd do that? Because the shepherd knows the sheep. And the shepherd knows the need of that one lost sheep. And the shepherd cares. And the shepherd will go to the ends of the earth for the one. Is this a story about the lost sheep? Is this a parable of Jesus by about, about the lost sheep? Or is this better a parable about the love of the shepherd, the loving father? Or a lost coin? woman lost one of her ten coins and she went to search for it. Have any of you lost something before? I, I hate to admit this, but I am paranoid when I'm traveling. I, a missionary, I travel a lot. And you have to have, any time you travel, you have to have your passport. And you just have to keep that close to you. And so when I travel, I have a, a, a pouch that I carry around my neck. And I put my passport safely into the pouch. I put the pouch safely inside of my clothes. And as I'm walking, wherever I'm going, just occasionally, there's that sense of security. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, there it is. Well, I was in the airport once, and I was filling out a bunch of forms, and after I filled out all the forms, I was walking through the airport, and I was about five minutes further, deeper into the airport, and I just needed that sense of security, just always making sure. Have you ever had that sense of panic? And I went through my bag, I went through everything I had, I looked around me, and this sense, this sickness... It was lost, and I raced back to that counter where I'd filled out those forms. When uh, our kids were young, we raised a, uh, a dog, a Border Collie. If you know Border Collies, they have the tendency, they love to uh, herd. They're herding dogs, but these are crazy herding dogs. They herd everything. We were told they will herd ants. They will herd cows. They will herd cars. And they are famous for getting hit by cars because they step in front and try to don't, don't move. And cows stop. I've seen it on YouTube. Cows are scared. Cars don't stop, and so they get hit by cars all the time. So the, the breeder who we bought it from warned us to take very great care of this 
dog, keep it safe. Actually, one of our dog's uh, brothers from the same litter did die several years later, hit by a car. So there's no doubt this is a real fear. But anyway, our daughter was still very young at the time, and one time she carelessly left the door open, and the little puppy dog just squirted out the door. And she, I didn't know she would be here this Sunday when I told this story, but I figured her being here, because you just have to feel for her. She doesn't want to hear this story, because that memory just comes back. And so, I'm sorry, that's why I told the story even more so, because I just want, you know, what have you lost where you just had that squish in your stomach, that feeling like you're going to be sick? That's the heart of the Father. If you have strayed this morning away from God, He's not worried about the other 99 people here this morning. Did you think of that? He's worried about you sitting here this morning with that sick sense, oh, I've got to get that one back got to get him back, or I've got to get her back. Ask yourself this morning, are you far from God? If you are, I pray that you would see the heart, the broken heart of the Father who loves you and wants you to turn around. So we go next and we say that there is a search. If something is lost, we see that there is a search for that. And so we see the shepherd leaves the 99 and goes. There's an interesting point that can be made here. In Jewish law, in Jewish tradition, at the time of Jesus, the Jewish people all knew that if you came to the Father, if you came back to God, if you came back to Yahweh and confessed your sin and asked forgiveness, God would take you back. But Jesus in these parables is adding something even more profound. He's saying God will go and seek you out. God takes the initiative to reach out. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep. Does he not leave the 99? Go into the open country. Suppose a woman has ten silver coins. She does she not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully. That's what God is doing if somebody is lost. In one of my favorite illustrations, I think I may have told this before at Generations, but it's worth hearing again if you've heard it. Um, Our pastor once, who had three kids, kind of like I have three kids, but he took his kids, oh, he was so brave. He took his kids to Chuck E. Cheese. Have any of you heard? Have any of you been to Chuck E. Cheese? It is a nightmare. You can't think of a worse place for parents. Kids, it's heaven, right? I think it's, it's, it's crazy if you don't know Chuck E. Cheese. It's a place they have ball pools, they have jungle gyms, and kids are running up and climbing and crashing down into the ball pool and throwing and screaming and they're, they're feeding them. Coca-Cola and pizza. So these kids are just amped up to the nth degree. And you'll never get a worse headache than if you go to a Chuck E. Cheese. So I don't recommend it. But anyway, my pastor, (laughs) 
courageously took his three kids to Chuck E. Cheese, and he was watching them like a hawk. And at one point after being there for a while and he was getting dizzy, all of a sudden he realized one, didn't know where the third one was. What do you think he did? He went over and grabbed this one. He went over, grabbed the other one, and they searched the entire Chuck E. Cheese. Nothing. He went to the attendant, and he said, I need help. I'm missing my youngest child. And the attendant looked at him and said, oh, look, you got that cute kid on your left. You got that wonderful daughter on your right. Isn't that enough? Okay. He didn't say that. But I think it makes the point. That, that is crazy. You can't, the father can't even conceive that the two I have in hand are enough. There's the one that is missing. And that is the central concern. When one is lost, the heart of the father is to find the one that is lost. And finally, in these parables, three parables, again, we're looking at two, but in the first two that we look at, what we see is the, the thing is found, the sheep is found. When he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders, goes home, calls his friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I have found the lost sheep. When she finds the coin, she calls her friends and neighbors and says, rejoice with me. I have found my life. I love baptisms. I am delighted, Pastor Mike, that we're having baptisms again in August. I think a joyful church is a church that will be doing baptisms often because there's such a celebration when someone stands at the front of the church and gives testimony of how God has changed them, taken them from death to life, from darkness to light, and the church then rejoices together with them. I think the joyful church is the church that is often sharing our faith, talking to other people about Jesus, bringing them to God. And then we rejoice together when they are found. I returned to the counter with my empty passport pouch, and I asked at the counter, have you seen a passport, American? He said, is your name Richard Cook? <gasps> yes. <laughs> I remember when we found our dog and brought him back into the house. What tremendous relief. What tremendous joy. And my pastor, thank goodness, the third child was there. And they found him and took him home. I want you to imagine the celebration, the thanksgiving. This morning, if somebody is here that has wandered away from God, that's the rejoicing that would go on. You know what? It gets even better because this celebration we've talked about so far is celebrating on earth, bringing our friends together. But what we see in the passages is not only does everyone on earth celebrate together, but 
God Himself in heaven celebrates. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. And then in verse 10, God rejoices in heaven. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of angels of God. The angels rejoice when one person repents. God in heaven and the angels together with him rejoice. Who is the gospel prepared for? The gospel is prepared for the person who has wandered far away from God. I pray that we would encourage people to move toward the gospel. I think sometimes we worry too much. Is this person a Christian or is this person not a Christian? Is this person someone who needs the gospel? Is this person someone who doesn't? What if they're part of this denomination or what if they're part of that faith? Do I still have? I would say don't worry about any of that for anybody. Let's just point them toward Jesus. Let's, so if it's people in our own church, let's just encourage one another toward Jesus. If it's your next door neighbor, let's encourage them toward Jesus, regardless of whether they're of a different religion, regardless. We just want to point people toward Jesus. We have that heart. We encourage one another. We encourage people outside the church. We encourage people in other churches not to come here, but to Point them toward Jesus. And I believe that if we're a community filled with joy and constant celebration, imagine a church where every week three, eight, ten people stood in a line testifying to what God had done and baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. People would line up to come in and hear and to participate in that joy as these people testify with joy of how they've been transformed. We in the audience rejoice together with them. We celebrate. And God in heaven celebrates with us and the angels together with them. Let's pray together. Lord, we pray for our church, Generations Church Los Angeles, that we would be a church of celebration, that we would be a church of joy. We look forward to the baptism coming up at the end of August. Lord, we pray that that would be a time of celebration for those who were not part of the church, not part of the kingdom of God, will join and we can celebrate together with them. And Lord, we pray for each of us that we would have a heart to point people toward Jesus, to remind people of the love Jesus has, the forgiveness in Jesus, the heart of God that welcomes anyone back. Lord, I pray this morning for anyone who feels that they are far from God, that for whatever reason they have wandered away. Lord, I pray that right now they would decide that they will turn back. And Lord, I pray 
that they would be able to experience your love and your joy as they turn back to you. Lord, I thank you that the gospel is for those who are lost. Lord, I pray for our church. I pray that if it's in your will, that there could be a movement of generation churches, churches with a passion for people who are lost. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.